You can buy them over the counter in South Carolina. Delta 8 in consumer products. Let's go to the bench. Legal news, information, and interviews from Collins and Lacey, a leading South Carolina defense firm for construction, workers' comp, hospitality, retail, trucking, professional liability, mediation, government, and ethics matters. The views expressed by the guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect that of Collins and Lacey, its management, or employees. This is The Legal Bench. And welcome to The Legal Bench. I'm Michael Burney, Director of Business Development at Collins and Lacey Defense Law Firm in Columbia, South Carolina. In a popular recent blog article, Collins and Lacey Retail and Hospitality Attorney Evan Gesner outlined the legal aspects associated with Delta 8 product sales and usage. Visit CollinsandLacey.com to read that article. Today, Gesner welcomes University of South Carolina researcher, former vice president, President of Research for the University and current Senior Research Advisor to the University President, Dr. Prakash Nagarkati, to discuss the chemical makeup of this synthetic and the continued research his team is performing to better understand its medical uses. Dr. Nagarkati, good morning. Good morning. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm doing well. Appreciate you taking the time to come here and talk with us today. Um, we've had a lot of questions about Delta 8. And here at Collins and Lacey, we're working on the legal end of Delta 8. You know, where is it legal? Where is it illegal? Uh, but while we're having that discussion, we had a lot of questions about what is Delta 8 as compared to Delta 9 or, or just a marijuana plant itself. So thought you were hoping uh, you could shed some light on that. Yeah, definitely. So <clears throat> our lab has been doing research on cannabinoids for over 22 years. So, marijuana plant has about uh, 120 different chemicals that are called as cannabinoids. And basically, they're called cannabinoids because they act on two types of receptors <clears throat> that are expressed in our body. One is called as the CB1 receptor, which is expressed in the brain, because of which these cannabinoids can activate the CB1 receptors and make you feel high. And that's why, you know, they call us psychoactive compounds. But there is also another type of receptor called CB2, which is expressed on our immune cells. And so <clears throat> most of the cannabinoids that activate the CB1 receptors, they are psychoactive. And one of the most well-characterized uh, compound is what is called as Delta-9 THC or commonly known as THC. So that is psychoactive because it act, activates the CB1 receptors in the brain and, and makes you feel, you know, high or euphoric. And that's why it's commonly used as a recreational marijuana. But in addition, the marijuana plant also has some compounds that are non-psychoactive, such as cannabidiol. And cannabidiol does not activate the CB1 receptors or CB2 receptors, so therefore it's not psychoactive. So CBD is uh, the non-psychoactive cannabinoid that is found in the marijuana plant. And they find that most, a um, lot of clinicians have found that CBD can help suppress um, seizures um, that originate in children who have epilepsy, for example. So therefore, CBD is extensively used um, as um, in the children to suppress uh, seizures as well. So Delta-8 THC is, I would call it like a 
a cousin of delta 9 thc because structurally it's very similar to delta 9 thc delta 8 thc is found in very very small quantities in the marijuana plant so therefore it's very difficult to extract however because it structurally looks very similar to delta 9 thc it can also activate the cb1 receptors and therefore it can be also be psychoactive unlike cbd which is non psychoactive it has also been shown that delta 8 thc binds to cb1 receptor with lower affinity compared to delta 9 thc so therefore delta 8 thc is less psychoactive when compared to delta 9 thc so that's why it is becoming very popular because people who take delta 9 thc to get relief from pain and from inflammation or other uh, debilitating conditions they feel like you know delta 8 thc may be better because we don't want the psychoactivity that is found in delta 9 thc but we want the same medicinal value that is found in delta 9 delta 9 thc that's why uh, slowly uh, delta 8 thc is becoming more popular So you said delta 8 is less psychoactive than delta 9. Yes, delta 8 is less psychoactive than delta 9 because as I said activation of CB1 receptor is what leads to the psychoactivity. Delta 9 THC binds to CB1 receptor with much higher affinity than delta 8 THC and because of which delta 9 is more potent as a psychoactive compound compared to delta 8 THC. Now is there a consistent percentage like is delta 8 50% as potent as delta 9 or or anything like that? We don't know that exactly um because there are very few clinical studies being done currently to assess for example uh, when compared to delta 9 thc what proportion of it would be you know uh, psychoactive you know in terms of comparing them between the delta 8 and delta 9 thc most people who have anecdotally most people who have used delta 8 and delta 9 have been telling the public that you know delta 8 thc seems to be less psychoactive but we don't know precisely what to what level or what proportion of it so and you've talked a good bit about medicinal uses or potential medicinal uses but of course uh, there's also a recreational use for delta 8 and delta 9 correct yes yeah, so our research has shown that cannabinoids in general both delta 9 thc as well as cannabidiol which is non psychoactive uh, are highly effective as anti-inflammatory agents you must have heard about a lot of these autoimmune diseases uh, there are over 80 different autoimmune diseases such as multiple sclerosis hepatitis colitis uh, lupus and so on in which your immune system goes haywire and starts destroying your own organs or tissues so these are diseases which in which there is no cure uh, the immunosuppressive drugs that are being used currently they are so toxic that become people become more susceptible to infections as well as developing cancers so therefore there's always a need to treat these people with autoimmune diseases to suppress their inflammation and we were one of the first labs in the in the world to demonstrate that these cannabinoids activating the cb2 receptors and cb1 receptors 
they suppress inflammation and therefore they can be highly effective as anti-inflammatory agents. People therefore are using them for medicinal purposes, those people who have this chronic inflammation or fibromyalgia and things like that, and they find that these are helping them a lot. But having said that, Delta-9 THC, uh, as, as everybody knows, because it activates the CB1 receptors in the brain, it's also psychoactive, and because of which it's also extensively used for recreational purposes. Whereas CBD is non-psychoactive, so CBD is not used for recreational purposes, but it's used only for medicinal purposes, because of which, um, and it's because it's extracted from hemp, it's legal in all the 50 states, but Delta-9 THC, because of its psychoactivity, it is not. We've seen a lot of uh, retail establishments, at least here in our area, and I'm sure elsewhere across the country, that Delta-8 is being sold essentially over the counter. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, so what happened actually was farm bill was introduced or passed. Um, manufacturers started growing hemp. Um, basically, hemp was defined as a plant which has less than 0.3% uh, delta-9 THC. Farmers started growing a lot of hemp and started extracting the CBD and CBD was being sold in the market for medicinal purposes because it really helps uh, treat inflammation and pain and you know help makes you sleep better and things like that. But what happened was because everybody started growing hemp, uh, there was so much of CBD in the market and there were not many people um, you know, there was not much market for that because of which uh, manufacturers were left with a lot of CBD and they didn't know what to do with CBD. And they said, you know, let's see what else we can do. And they, they thought about converting CBD into Delta-8 THC. And so therefore, Delta-8 THC now is widely available or being sold. But unfortunately, unlike CBD, which is non-psychoactive, Delta-8 THC is psychoactive, just like Delta-9 THC. So then, therefore, the question, therefore, is like, you know, does it come under DEA in terms of classifying that as a Schedule One drug or, you know, where does it stand with respect to uh, drug enforcement? So that's a, that's a gray area and, 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 and those questions are being addressed right now by the federal agencies. So as far as the psychoactive effects, you know, Delta-8, what type of effects does it have on the human body? I think Delta-8 THC has very similar effect as Delta-9 THC. It is just that it's less potent than Delta-9 THC. So it, it does make people, some people get high, um, but some people find that, you know, it might increase their uh, anxiety and, you know, um, it depends on the type of people that it can have different types of effects when you activate the CB1 receptors in the brain. Uh, people might behave differently. In, in terms of psychoactivity, um, Delta-8 and Delta-9 are very similar. It's just that Delta-8 has less potency in terms of making people high. And so therefore, people who are using that for medicinal purposes only, they find it's extremely beneficial because, you know, they can still go to work or, you know, they can do other errands or whatever without having to be worried about getting too high but also still having the medicinal benefits of Delta-9 THC. And so you mentioned the CBD oil and its medicinal benefits. Does Delta-8 offer any additional medicinal benefit beyond CBD oil? 
CBD acts in totally different way compared to Delta 8 THC or Delta 9 THC. And the reason for that is CBD does not activate the cannabinoid receptors. It activates certain other pathways and because of which, though it is called a cannabinoid, it has totally different receptors through which it acts and therefore it prevents epilepsy, epileptic seizures in children and also it's beneficial for suppressing inflammation. Whereas our research has shown that Delta 9 THC, and in fact, we started doing research more recently on Delta 8 THC, and we find that Delta 8 THC can also suppress multiple sclerosis, which is an autoimmune disease, which leads to paralysis. And we find that in the mouse model, Delta 8 THC seems to be working really well to suppress uh, MS. So therefore... In conditions where CBD is not able to prevent or CBD is not able to offer sufficient uh, relief from pain and suppressing inflammation, Delta 8 THC might come to the rescue and maybe Delta 8 THC or Delta 9 THC may be more effective. The reason being that those two compounds act directly through the CB1 and CB2 receptors that are expressed on the immune cells whereas CBD does not activate the CB1, CB2 receptors. Now with Delta-8 that's being sold out in the community, are there any safety concerns that you've seen in your research? Yeah, we have not done any. Um, we do most of our research is on looking at inflammation, efficacy of cannabinoids on inflammation and cancer. Uh, but in terms of the, the effect on the behavior of people, I think Delta-8, THC, I presume would be very similar to Delta 9 THC in, in terms of its psychoactive properties, although to a less extent than Delta 9. So therefore, <clears throat> um, people should take the same precaution as, you know, when you drink a glass of wine or alcohol or, you know, when you take Delta 9 THC, it, it's going to impair the cognitive functions. So therefore, uh, people need to be very careful in terms of, you know, getting behind the wheel or doing some work that could potentially cause injury and, and, and things like that. So uh, one should right now be very careful and consider that when you're, if you are taking Delta 8 THC, it may have you know, similar, almost identical effects as Delta 9 THC, but just that that effect may be little less compared to Delta 9 THC. What about drug testing? Is Delta 8 going to show up on a standard drug test? That's a great question. And the answer, uh, unfortunately, is yes, because the way Delta 9 THC is detected, for example, in the urine, for example, is that you detect the metabolites of Delta 9 THC. So when you consume Delta 9 THC, it's converted into certain metabolites, and the tests use those metabolites to, diagnose, to detect whether a person has been exposed to Delta 9 THC. So when somebody consumes Delta 8 THC, what happens is that that also gets converted into metabolites. And those metabolites are very similar to Delta 9 THC metabolites. So therefore, the drug test that uses to detect Delta 9 THC exposure will also turn, turn out to be positive for people who take Delta 8 THC. So particularly in those states where marijuana is still not legal, one should be very careful because if your job or, you know, mandates that you need to take drug tests, you know, uh, on a regular basis, 
And then you may be saying that, oh, you know, I have not taken Delta 9, I have taken only Delta 8, but then uh, the test will come positive and uh, that might lead to a lot of problems. Yes. Are you aware of any, I would say, drug interactions between Delta 8 and maybe some prescription medications that anybody should be aware of if they're thinking about trying a Delta 8 product? You know, that's a great question, and uh, there's a lot of research being done on how cannabinoids might interfere with certain normal drugs. Um, For example, CBD has been shown that um, because these are metabolized in the liver, and liver enzymes are responsible for metabolizing some of the cannabinoids, but they also, liver enzymes also play a role in the uh, metabolism of certain other drugs that we take. So a lot of statins, for example, people who take statins, the cannabidiol seems to interfere with that. And so therefore, the same thing can be said about Delta 8 or Delta 9 THC, um, that they might interfere with certain other medications that you are taking, such as blood thinners or statins or other drugs, antibiotics and things like that. So if you are taking certain, if you are taking any cannabinoids for pain or inflammation, uh, you need to consult your physician to make sure that they do not uh, cross-react with uh, some of the other medications that you are taking. In your research, of course, you're researching Delta 8. Uh, have you looked into some of the products that are being sold over the counter or are you just looking specifically at Delta 8 itself? So in our research, we do not take mixed materials. Like in other words, we don't try to take extracts because those extracts will have terpenes in addition to hundreds of cannabinoids and a lot of different compounds that can be found. Uh, Sometimes while purifying the compounds, you'll have contaminants uh, and things like that. So what we try to do in our research is try to take highly pure form, 100% pure form of CBD or Delta 8 THC or Delta 9 THC so that we know precisely that whatever effect we find is can be attributed to those specific compounds. And also we do that because then our research should be reproducible by other investigators anywhere in the world. When you use 100% pure compound, we are making sure that those results can be reproduced anywhere else. But if I take an extract, uh, not knowing precisely what are so many, so uh, you know, pest, there could be pesticides, there could be heavy metals, there could be so many other contaminants, then those rep- those results may not be reproducible. So that's why we try to avoid the, you know, extract work rather than, you know, focus on highly purified form of these compounds. A lot of compounds that are extracted from various types of plants can be sold as dietary supplements. FDA does not control dietary supplements. However, uh, if they find out that certain dietary dietary supplements uh, are toxic, then FDA can interfere and say, you know, that they should be taken off the shelves. So right now, um, people are finding that CBD can be used without much toxicity or there are no indications of uh, death or severe toxicity because of which, you know, CBD can be used as a dietary supplements as well as certain other cannabinoids which might be non-psychoactive can be used as dietary supplements. But the problem with Delta-8 THC is that it's highly psychoactive. 
And so therefore, it can potentially be toxic. It can cause certain other conditions such as impact on blood circulation or cardiac functions and all that. So therefore, FDA feels that it, those are the type of compounds that need to be regulated and cannot be sold directly as a dietary supplement. Uh, for example, there are so many other dietary supplements like uh, resveratrol that is extracted from the red grapes, turmeric, which is uh, a plant-derived compound which is used for preventing inflammation. So there are a lot of dietary compounds that are available right now in the market. We don't know exactly when somebody sells as a, a compound as a dietary supplement, we don't know uh, the proportion of that compound found in that particular tablet or capsule. And also we don't know what are some of the other substances that are found in that. So somebody could be selling you saying that it's a, a capsule has got 25 milligrams of CBD, but there may be only 5 milligrams or sometimes there could be just 1 milligram. And uh, nobody monitors that because it's uh, sold as a dietary supplement. So that's why FDA interferes only when they find that a dietary supplement has really some toxic effects on population. Then they interfere and then, you know, they try to take it off the shelf and things like that. Dr. Nagarkarty, in your research, have you seen anything indicating you know, where this is going in the future? Are there, are there other substances? Like, is there a Delta 10? Is, is there anything else that we might begin to see in the market? Yes, yeah, so there are chemists have already, you know, been able to synthesize compounds that can bind to CB1 receptors alone, and therefore they can be really highly, highly psychoactive. In fact, they can be, in fact, more potent than delta nine THC. And the same thing is true with the farming um, cannabis plant. Earlier, the cannabis plant used to have maybe eight percent, ten percent, or fifteen percent. Uh, THC, but now we are able to grow cannabis which has, you know, maybe even up to 25, 30, or 40 percent THC. So there are clearly avenues to synthesize compounds which can be highly potent in terms of their psychoactivity because they can directly bind to CB1 receptors with very high affinity and can be really highly psychoactive. And so those are the type of compounds that are being always being monitored by the DEA to make sure that, you know, such compounds are not introduced or, you know, trying to make sure that we maintain the public safety of th those type of compounds. But on the other hand, there could be other types of cannabinoids like CBD and, or CBD analogs that we and other people are interested in developing which do not activate the CB1 receptors and therefore they are not psychoactive, but at the same time they can suppress inflammation by acting on the immune cells. So clearly scientists are looking for those type of compounds which are non-psychoactive but can suppress inflammation as well as provide relief from so many other debilitating diseases. All right, well, Dr. Nagarkarty, thank you so much for coming out here today and, and talking with us. We appreciate your time, and, and this, uh, I think, has given us a much better understanding of what Delta-8 is and what it does, how we should approach it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it a lot. For more legal news and information of interest to South Carolina businesses, join us right here for the next episode of The Legal Bench. 
You've been listening to The Legal Bench from the South Carolina defense firm Collins & Lacey. Learn more at collinsandlacey.com.